All right, well, <clears throat> apparently I have a, a time constraint today, so <sighs> got me in a corner. That's all right. We have one, one verse to cover today. So probably, I, I think we've only done one verse maybe one or two other times, so this will be a rarity. And uh, I knew they were going to bring their uh, uh, quilts up and show those so um, I told you my wife's first craft project was a lot more spiritual than us men <clears throat> we had fun though didn't we? we had fun guys uh, we've already got the next uh, guys craft uh, already working I've already kind of handed off to the next teachers it's going to instruct that next session I'm just going to work on it I don't have to prepare a message or anything so I think the next one's going to include some welding and maybe some cutting and stuff like that. So, and some bolting stuff together. So it ought to be ought to be neat. Probably no, not as spiritual as the blankets again, but <clears throat> be useful and <laughs> be useful. All right, how is everybody? Y'all made a liar out of me. I told Christy yesterday. I was like, oh man, you had a really important message tomorrow and stinking snow and nobody's going to be there. And she said, our people's better than that. She was right. <laughs> she was right. So uh, our people's better than that. Well, if you got your Bibles with you, let's open up to First uh, uh, Peter chapter number 5 is where we're going to roll today. Uh, before we do, I'm going to ramble. Don't you like it when we ramble? <clears throat> I'm going to ramble a little bit. And uh, this this is one of those verses that we probably don't even need to have our Bibles. This, that's what's going to make today neat. We, we probably don't even have to have our Bibles open for this verse because it's one of those verses. Now, the danger with one of those verses, what do you mean by one of those verses? It's one of those verses that probably a lot of us have memorized. The problem with those verses that we have memorized is we kind of lose the freshness to them when you have something memorized, Right? Uh, we, we lose a little bit of the tangibility to them because we have them memorized because when you have something memorized, you don't have to think about it, right? Um, what was it? Just this past week, somebody, I think it was Dad, asked me a question. Well, how do you do that? And I said, um, I don't know, I, I don't, you know which, which, which way do you flip it or something? If anybody's ever jumped in like a skid steer or something, which, which pedal does what? And you're like, I, I don't know. <laughs> what do you mean you don't know? Which, what does the right pedal do? I don't, I don't know. How do I, how do I boom left? Uh, I, I, don't, I don't even know. Does that happen to anybody? Like, I don't know which way you push it for that to work. And they think, well, don't you run this thing every day? Yeah, and you hop in the seat and you just do it. You don't think about it, basically, that, that, uh, that thought process, because when you, when you know something, you don't have to think about it. And I think sometimes that's dangerous when we have verses memorized because we just blah, blah, we just we have it memorized or we have a phone number memorized or or something. I, I left my phone at the job the other day and Christy said, "Why didn't you just call me?" <laughs> well, one of those reasons I probably didn't know her phone number. That's the other sad part about it because we we just hit the button and it's already it goes up. Um, I, if, if I ever lost my, if my phone went dead and I was stranded on the side of the road, I hope mom and dad's home because that's about the only number that I grew up with that I, and they never answered their home phone anyway. So <clears throat> they're never home for, for two. So, uh, but sometimes that's the case when we, when we just hit the button and it calls, we don't have to think about it. 
or when we have a verse memorized, we just, it kind of goes out and we don't have to think about it. But what I want us to do today is kind of put on fresh eyes on this verse. And maybe you don't have this verse memorized. And if you don't, today would be a good, we haven't done our church memory verse in a long time, have we? Hmm. Maybe we should do that this month. This isn't quite the Christmas verse, but maybe we should do. Maybe we should get back at that sometime. Did anybody memorize the church memory verses? Maybe that's why we stopped doing it. <laughs> All right. Well, here goes the rambling. Uh, how many of you? And we're gonna make this fun today. How many of you have ever taken? And speaking of which, uh, concealed carry. I need some input. Nobody has t- said anything on that yet. So give me some input so we can get that scheduled. But how many of you have ever taken like? concealed carry class or something like that yep well when you take classes like that they talk about something that's called situational awareness does everybody know what situational awareness is situational awareness means that you understand what's going on around you and situational awareness can be taught but it's kind of you you, I don't know quite how you teach it one of the ways that you know it is if you're, I guess, if you're paranoid. Is anybody paranoid in here? <laughs> I mean, paranoid people. Uh, <laughs> you know what? That's not a bad characteristic. We, we look at people that are paranoid as like, oh, they're just paranoid. They're, what is wrong with them? Most people that are paranoid are good at situational awareness. Um, look at how, how many of your deer hunters in here? Like, I think everybody in here. <laughs> Deer have a high, high level of situational awareness. That's what makes them rascals so hard to hunt. Except for like the first couple weeks of bow season, and then they're just like frolicking around like nothing's going on. And and then, well, nowadays these hunters like put tree stands up all summer and trail cams and the hunting pressure gets higher. So that keeps that situational awareness that those deer have up. Well, those deer are paranoid. They're, they're paranoid. They don't. What, is, what does that mean? They don't trust anybody or anything. And that's not a bad characteristic to have. Because, because those deer have a high situational awareness, guess what? That pro- prolongs their life. And the bucks that get big and grow big have a higher situational awareness. They are more aware of what's going on around them. Their senses are keen and in tune. And if you've ever tried to hunt or ever tried to bag a big buck, it's not easy, is it? Has anybody ever, I, I, you got a big one on your wall, you got a big one on your wall, a couple big ones on your wall. Anybody else have any big bucks hanging on their wall? Did anybody just luck into that? I know people that have done that. I just, I, it was dark, I put my tree stand up and it comes daylight and I'm, I'm out in the middle of nothing. There's no sign, there's no anything and lo and behold this buck just walked by and I shot him. It was that easy. That happens from time to time. And that buddy, you're always like, I put all this time and all this effort and energy into shooting a big buck, and they just trip in the woods in the dark and get a big buck. Now, that that happens. (laughs) And the reason that happens is because that buck let his guard down a little bit. His situational awareness wasn't exactly what it was supposed to be. Um, Well, when they typically teach you in in any kind of self-defense class, situational awareness means that you're always in danger. Does everybody believe that? You're always in danger. And when you least expect, everybody, when you least expect something to happen, that's when it happens. That's because your situational awareness has gone down. 
Now, in our family, <clears throat> we were taught situational awareness at a young age and probably wasn't even aware that we were being taught it. My sister's grinning because she knows what it is. <clears throat> we go to a restaurant when we were kids, and now it's kind of funny because we're all adults and we're kind of like, <sighs> I guess let Dad sit there. <laughs> because when you go out to eat with us, Dad always sits with his back against the wall. And why is that, Dad? got shot in the back. <laughs> Wild Bill Hickok got shot in the back. We grew up knowing that. We go to a restaurant, oh, that's where dad sits. So now when, when he's not with us and we go to a restaurant, where does this guy sit? Same way. Same way. And I, I wasn't taught that that's what it was, but you as the protector of your family, the, the shepherd of your family, your flock, the under, under, not undertaker, that'd be bad. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> the under shepherd, the keeper. <laughs> uh, you are aware of your surroundings and you sit to where you can see the most things because we live in a dangerous world, don't we? Right now, Cody, how many, I want everybody to know this, how many cameras are, how many little six or seven little screens back there don't? Hey, wow, you can't get away with anything at this church, so don't try to sneak around the corner and kiss somebody. We'll see you. But we, we have that going on because Cody is situational aware back there. I just I sit down before church. That's the first I'd sit in that chair back there, and I'm like, wow, you can see somebody going from that corner, around the corner, down the stairs. Like, you can't get away with anything in this place, which is good because we are situationally aware. We're always looking for danger. We're, we're always looking for danger. We are aware that we live in a wicked, sin-cursed world. We know that there are evil people out there looking to do us harm. Is that right? And when you let your guard down, when you least expect something to happen, that's when it's going to happen. So what do we do? We have to kind of maintain a high alert status, don't we? Even in this country, we don't quite hear about it so much anymore, but remember we have the alerts that are, <clears throat> what is it, yellow, orange, red, or alert status. Um, situational awareness. We, we are aware of our surroundings. Um, and it doesn't just have to be dangers from other people. <laughs> uh, Dad and I, we've been working a lot the last couple of weeks, and I'm working on this, this house, and I kind of, I, I, I kind of, uh, I, I look at it like this. <clears throat> I work for myself. I'm self-employed. Um, if I get hurt, there's no workers' comp. There's no anything like that. So I have to be careful at work. <laughs> and I'm constantly aware of that, like, ooh, don't stick your hand in there. <laughs> ooh, don't do that. And now, that's not to say that I never do anything risky. <laughs> I do risky stuff, but when I do risky stuff, I kind of stand back and I look at it like, ooh, this could be risky. You're allowed to do risky stuff as long as you know it's risky, right? <laughs> and I think, ooh, this could be risky. What could happen? And I'll think, ooh, that could fall and smash my head. Ooh, that would be bad. Or this could happen or that could happen. You, when you put yourself in risky positions, you kind of look at the surroundings and you always look for your way out. Am I right? Like, ooh, if this goes bad, I can run there. We, uh, Christy and I, went, I think we were dating still. We went to a, uh, a, a tractor pull and um, I'd already, we were sitting there. If, if anybody's ever been to a tractor pull, it's kind of a risky joint, isn't it? 
it's, it's really kind of dangerous. <laughs> and we went to this tractor pull, and I, I don't know, just as a kid, I always like look at when I get into risky situations like that, and I'm like, all right, if things go awry, what's the best way out of here? What's the best escape route? You guys are looking at me like I'm paranoid. I already told you paranoid is not a bad thing. So we're already, I'm already looking at this situation like, okay, what's the worst, what's the best way out? So we're sitting here watching this tractor pull, and uh, this thing has three aircraft engines on it. It's getting ready to go down the track. You guys ever seen those turbines pull? I mean, they are, they will get you situationally aware just when they fire up. So this thing hooks to this lead, and it takes off, and I notice pretty quick that the box isn't moving. And she's sitting next to me, and I'm like, look out, look out, look out, because that thing took off, and it went past us at 100 mile an hour. And the guy with the sled was laying on the brakes, the box didn't move up, and that thing hit a concrete barrier and flipped into a big crowd of people, and the sled just shoved it over, and, and I'm just like, ooh. So her and I have the, I'm now having the vocal conversation like, okay, if anything, if something like this, you run it, towards it. You're like, what? You run towards it. You guys know that? If you're cutting down a tree and the tree's falling the wrong way, what do you do? You don't run away from the tree. You run towards the tree. Well, that doesn't make any sense. Well, if you turn around and you're running away from the tree, the tree's going to whack you on top of the head. So, no, you don't panic. You just take one step towards the tree and then to the side, and the tree's going to fall like that. You just go, whoo, that was close. Did you see that? <clears throat> but if you turn around and run the other way, you're going to be out of breath with a tree on top of your head. So that's, that's not good. What, 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 what does all this rambling have to do with something? There's danger around us. Always be looking for the danger. And if you are aware, situationally aware that the danger is there, hopefully you'll be pre better prepared to handle that danger. Right? How many has ever seen Drive Shaft Guy? <laughs> they don't know it. <laughs> look in the back. Look, Cody. <laughs> in their shop, we have a Drive Shaft Guy wall. <laughs> Where, you, where, like, if you get a snowplow or a salt spreader or something, it comes with all these safety stickers you're supposed to put on it or a PTO for a truck or something. You're supposed to put those on the dash of the truck or whatever, but they got a wall down there we put PTO guy on. And PTO guy is the, the stick figure guy that's wrapped around the PTO shaft. That's PTO guy. <laughs> or hand and chain guy. Have you ever seen hand and chain guy? Like, they got the the hand that's going into the chain is pinched like this. <laughs> so those, those are on the door when you walk out. And uh, I was thinking about that this week, and I'm like, you know, that's probably not a bad spot to have those on the door when you're getting ready to, to go out into the shop or whatever, because rather than putting it on the dash and you're laying underneath the truck, you'll never see it. But when you walk, at, walk in the shop door, it's the first thing you see. You see drive shaft guy, and you see hand and chain guy. So you're like, ooh, careful today, that drive shaft's going to get you. <clears throat> and we talk about drive shaft guy all the time because you don't want to be drive shaft guy. Drive shaft guys, you don't want to be drive shaft guy. <laughs> you don't want to be hand and chain guy either, hand and chainsaw or hand and circular saw. Has anybody seen that, that t-shirt? I kind of want it. It's rock, paper, scissors, saw. You have to Google it. Not during church, but later. It's a funny t-shirt. <clears throat> but... Uh, what, what does all that have to do with anything? It's being aware that there are dangers out there. Now, here's the interesting thing about bringing that over into the Christian realm. I think that we oftentimes get comfortable in our way of life 
and we forget that there are dangers around us. Not, not all Akbars with machine guns, not drive shafts, and not hand in chain, but there are spiritual dangers that are around us, and we don't even think about them 99% of the time, maybe 100% of the time. We are so oblivious to the spiritual dangers that are around us, we don't even think about it. Is anybody guilty of that besides myself? And then something happens, we end up in a drive shaft, or we end up spiritually shot, or we're spiritually darted, and then we look back and we think, oh, that's what that was. Now, if you have ever been drive shaft guy, and you could sit down drive shaft guy, and you could talk to drive shaft guy, I wish they had, we should Google a picture of drive shaft guy, because I think some of them are looking at me like, what's drive shaft guy? If you could pull drive shaft guy to the side, a lot of them are looking, see if you can find us a drive shaft guy. <laughs> if you could pull drive shaft guy to the side and say, hey, drive shaft guy, what could you have done to not done that? And drive shaft guy will tell you this, I will never go around a drive shaft like that again. I'll never go around a gear or a chain like that again. This is, <laughs> I, I can almost look at his face and tell when he's got drive shaft guy up. <clears throat> because if you could interview drive shaft guy, he would say, oh, I'll never do that again. Because drive shaft guy has some scars. Hopefully they're just scars. Hopefully they're not appendages missing or hopefully drive shaft guy's still around. But he will have some reminders of why to not go near the drive shaft again. <clears throat> They say that farming is one of the most, or the mo, one of the most dangerous uh, occupations that you can have. And if you look at the statistics on, now some of you have been farming your whole life. We all got our fingers and toes and stuff. But when it's dangerous, is there's drive shaft guy. <laughs> it is, it's great. That's actually, I think you have that sticker on the door, don't you? Is that why you picked that one? That's that's drive shaft guy. You can't see it? <clears throat> but one of the reasons that farming is so dangerous, and uh, our last president tried to put an end to this, by the way. That's another side story. But one of the reasons that, that farming is so dangerous is because a lot of young people are involved. <clears throat> and a lot, a lot of young people aren't as careful around equipment as they should be. <clears throat> uh, I think it was... Last summer, I was, I was mixing some uh, chemicals in the sprayer and why it was out there. And there's, there's hand and gear guy. Exposed belt drive. You don't want to be that guy either. So I'm, I'm mixing these chemicals in the sprayer. The tractor's sitting there idling. The PTO's going to run the pump. And why it was standing there, I said, what do you think would happen if you grabbed a hold of that? And he said, well, I don't know. I said, if you grabbed a hold of that, you wouldn't be able to let go fast enough. Your finger might get caught in something. And it would flip you over that drive shaft, and it would hit your hit your your face with your own hand on the other side of the drive, just like drive shaft guy. And Wyatt said, "Oh, <laughs> yeah, don't don't let that happen." Basically, situational awareness: be aware that there are dangers, and that's why farming is such a hazardous occupation because a lot of young people get hurt because they're not aware of all the dangers that are involved with it. Hey, do you know why a lot of Christians get hurt and a lot of Christians get spiritually killed is because they're young Christians and they're not aware of their situational surroundings. <clears throat> look, let's look at our verse here now that I got Cody all drive shaft guide over there. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 8, and we're going to make this fast. 
be, so let's just work down through it. Be sober. What does that mean? See, we, we live in a society where we think that sober, or we live in the English language that we do where sober just means not drunk, right? And in fact, if you Google that or Wikipedia or whatever, it'll, it'll give you that definition of, of sobriety. But sobriety means a little bit more than not drunk, but it kind of means the same thing. Is anybody, if you've ever been around somebody that's drunk, they have zero situational awareness. Like if, if there was a drunk guy working around a drive shaft, he would end up like PTO guy. Or if he was around some gears, he'd be standing there, wonder what that would do, and there he's drive shaft guy. He, what, what does that mean that he's not serious? He's not serious. So be sober. Be serious. Be serious. This is coming from me, probably one of the least serious guys that I know <laughs> sometimes. But hey, what are we talking about here? <clears throat> a serious subject. Very few times that the Bible ta tells us to be sober, be serious. What is the Apostle Peter doing? He's getting our attention. Be sober. Be vigilant. What does vigilance mean? Vigilance basically means this, on top of it. Be on top. Be the head of your game. Be on top of it. Be, be sober. Be serious. Be vigilant. Hey, I don't want you to be flippant about this. I don't want you to not take this serious. And I don't want you to think that this is a game. Be vigilant. It means always. Always. Be sober. Be vigilant. Why? Because your adversary, the devil. You know, I forget some old boy, I don't remember his name, said one of the best tricks of the devil is to convince you and I that he's not real. The best trick of the devil is to convince you and I that he's not real. I remember I studied for a message one time that looked at a lot of statistics about what a, a lot of, probably 2015 at the time, Christians believed. Uh, it, the, the statistics, and those statistics are just like anything. It depends on the people that you poll, and they probably skew the statistics to meet their paper that they're writing. But some of the statistics that, that I can remember off the top of the bat was how many Christians in the United States in 2015 believe the Bible to be true, and it was like 80-some percent. And I thought, whoa, that's, that's, that's low. And then how many Christians believe that God exists? And that one was even more staggering. It was like 70-some percent. And I'm like, what? That's like a prerequisite. You, those 30% aren't, you can't call yourself a Christian if you don't believe that God. And then what was even more staggering than that was how many believe that the devil is real and that statistic got down into the 30s. And I thought, there it is. I, I think we were studying the, the satanic tactics I think was the name of that series that we were studying but that is the best satanic tactic that exists is to get you and I to doubt his existence because if we doubt his existence is our situ situational awareness going to be very high with him if we think oh, there's nothing to worry about our, our, our guard gets dropped doesn't it our situational awareness our paranoia <clears throat> lowers Hey, be sober, 
be vigilant because your adversary, the devil. What, what, what does adversary mean? Someone that works against you. That, that's what an adversary is. An adversary is someone that's goal is the exact opposite of what your goal is. That's your adversary. It's, it's totally opposite. So our totally opposite, the person that's working totally against us, our will, and if it's working against us and our will, who else's will is he supposed to be working against? Well, God's will because that's what makes us part of a Christian, right? That our will is the same as his will. So if our adversary is working for the exact opposite goal of what we have. And who is that? That's the devil. The devil is 100% true and real. We've been studying in Sunday school. Um, it starts at 9 o'clock. I'm not sure if some of you are aware. Um, we've had donuts for like the past two or three weeks, haven't we? It's been glorious. Um, <clears throat> I know our November challenge is over, but some of you stuck in there and it's, it's doing good. Um, but We've been talking about the fall of man. And the reason that you and I are in the situation that we're in is because the devil had a hand in that. He tempted Adam and Eve in the garden, and because of that temptation is why you and I are going to die. It's why you and I are destined for a sinner's hell, for a devil's hell, is because you and I have sinned. That's part of the devil's problem. And do you know the situational awareness of Adam and Eve that day? Do you know their paranoia level where that was at? Was nil. They, they were not concerned a bit. <clears throat> this will give you something to think about. We've thought about this in Sunday school. That snake was talking, and it didn't shock Eve. <laughs> That'll give you something to go, oh, wow, I never thought about that. <clears throat> that kind of shows us that her situational awareness level, her paranoia level, was way down. And because of that, what happened? Situation you and I are in today. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, does what? As a roaring lion. Now, we've all been to the zoo, right? Those lions look like little fluffy. You're like, oh, you're so cute. Has anybody ever been to the zoo and maybe on the far side of the zoo heard one of those lions roar? Has that ever happened? You're, everybody knows what's going on, don't they? You might be in the monkey cage looking at those guys and you hear that lion in the background. You're like, get your little map out. You're like, we are on the opposite side. And it sounded like he was in her pocket. Ooh. Whoa. What is, why do they call him the king of the jungle? Because <clears throat> he's in charge. He is the ruler of the jungle. Hey, do you know what the devil is? He's in charge of this earth. He is the king of this earth. He is in charge of this earth and everything that's in it. Hmm, I think that's a pretty good example, isn't it? As a roaring lion that does what? Walketh about seeking whom he may devour. I gave Cody some pictures before this, and I'm going to have you pull them up, because if you're ever walking in the weeds and you look over and you see something like this, that's the time to get nervous. <clears throat> what do you notice right off the bat? Whoa, that one's, that one's kind of hard. Maybe you've got another one there. Mm, them boogers are hard to see, aren't they? They're color, they're mane, they're everything, and they're sneaky, sneaky. <clears throat> you've probably seen your cat doing that across the yard looking for a mouse, haven't you? 
sneaky, sneaky. It's always funny when you see cats do it out in the yard where it's mowed. You're like, who are you trying to fool? <clears throat> but you get them out in some tall grass like that. Sneaky, sneaky. So what does that tell us about our adversary? He's sneaky, sneaky. He doesn't want you to know he's around. He's lying in wait. He's hiding. And when you least expect it, what is he going to do? Devour. Devour. What is devouring? It's destroying. It's absolutely destroying. Do you think Peter knows something about that? I think Peter knows something about that. <clears throat> Do you think Peter, while he was writing this, had that constant thought still in his mind, even though he was forgiven, even though he had that conversation with Jesus Christ? Do you think that when he wrote this, when the Holy Spirit said, hey, you have an adversary, the devil, and he walked around like a, a, a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, I think Peter thought, oh, I can think of a time when I was devoured. Back a time when he denied Jesus Christ there at the cross. I think that constantly was on his mind. I, I bet that he, there probably wasn't a day where he didn't forget about that. Am I right? Do you know what our adversary, do you know what the devil, do you know what Satan wants more than anything? <clears throat> to knock you out. To knock you out. Do you know what the devil, what Satan wants to do more than anything to a lost person? To keep them out. Here's the situation. There's a spiritual battle going on that's behind the scenes that you and I can't see and some of the times we're not even aware of and the battle is this. The battle is over souls. God is not willing that any should perish but all should come to repentance. And the devil is everything he can do <clears throat> to seek vengeance against a loving God. The battle is over you and I. That's what the battle is over. <clears throat> the battle that's going on behind the scenes is God desires to have every person on the face of this earth saved because he loves every person on the face of this earth. And the devil does not want that happen because he's, he's what? He's our adversary. He's the exact opposite of what God wants. He does not want that to happen. So he will do everything in his power to keep every person from coming to the salvation knowledge of Jesus Christ that he can do. And how, hmm, has anybody ever heard that Paul Harvey, if I were the devil, what I would do? I, sh I should have. If I, was, if I was led by the Holy Spirit a little more, we'd have probably pulled that up this morning. <clears throat> and in that speech, one of the things that he said was that he would have people doubt that he was even real and even, even there. Did you notice that line? It was hard to see him. He's sneaky, sneaky. You could walk along and not even know he was there. Hey, as a Christian, if we walk through our path down our Christian walk and we are not thinking about the devil actually being against us, our situational awareness will be ultra low. <clears throat> Won't it? Super low. Back to when I tell you I work self-employed by myself and if I get hurt, it's a bad deal. <laughs> Working on their house last week and we're putting uh, subfloor down on the sheathing down on the floor joists and I had this board that was this long it was two foot like two foot two inches long <clears throat> and I was setting it down on the floor actually it was probably about 30 inches long because there was too much hanging off each side and I put it down on floor joists and I'd stand on that board and I'd whack the one that I was working on and I'd go back well the problem is, is it was 
it would only span two floor joists. How many times did I step on the end of that thing and fall through? Two or three. <laughs> I come home, I showed Christy, I said, look at my legs, I am beat to pieces. <clears throat> because I wasn't aware of the danger that was around me. And I'd step in between two floor joists on that board, and guess where the board went? It almost whacked me in the face two or three times. And then my foot went all the way down, and the crawl space is about that deep, so I didn't even hit gravel. I'm just flopping around on these floor joists. And that board, I felt it a couple times, the air come across like that. So if it was about two inches longer, it would have clobbered me in the side of the face, and I'd have still fell down, and it would have been really bad. <laughs> so... Not even being totally destroyed, but being wounded and hurt. And for the, even yesterday, I said, look at these things. They're turning like all kinds of wonderful colors of yellow and green and stuff now. <clears throat> Why? Because I wasn't aware of the danger that was involved. And it bit me once. And as Dad had testimony, two or three times. <laughs> because I didn't learn my lesson the first time. What should I have done? I should have took that 30-inch long board, chucked it over in a pile, got a 15-footer and laid across there and worked my way through. And I, it wouldn't have happened again. But guess what happened? I was busy. Oh, I was busy. I was in a hurry and I got sloppy. And I was probably distracted, not that it's your fault, but I'm, no, I'm not normally used to working with somebody. <clears throat> so I was busy, I was in a hurry, and I was distracted. Do you know when the devil's going to get you and I? When we're busy, when, when we're in a hurry, and when we're distracted. That's when the lion is going to pounce out of the weeds. Hey, if you're looking in the grass like this, he's around here somewhere. He's not going to pounce. Because he pounces, you're going to pull out your 470 and blast him in the face. I think that's what they hunt lions with. <clears throat> you're, you're going to be aware. You're, you're going to see it coming. But if you're busy, or if you're distracted, or if you're in a hurry, you're going to get it. And I've got bruises this week because all three of those things came together at once. I was in a hurry, I was busy, and I was distracted. And I got hurt because of that. Why is your preacher such a church pusher? Because if you get too busy, if you get too big of a hurry, or if you get too distracted, hey, that's when the devil's going to attack. If you spend three or four weeks, now I'm not saying you can't be close to the Lord, read your Bible at home, but if you spend three or four weeks, do you know what this is? Do you know what the Bible refers to us as a flock? This is the flock. Remember a couple, uh, two weeks ago, the flock of God. Feed the flock of God. This is a flock. This is the sheep. It's, I'm not, it's not my flock. You're not my sheep. But we are a flock. We are a herd. And there is power in numbers. <clears throat> Wyatt is our animal guru guy. And I, I asked him, I said, where do you learn all this stuff? Wild Kratz? <laughs> if you don't know what Wild Kratz is, apparently it'll teach you a lot about animals. <clears throat> but he was telling us about birds, how they fly together because there's safety, and zebras, how they're colored the way they are because there's, they stay in the herd together and they're safer, and fish, the way fish swim in schools because they stay together and it's safer. What, do you think that carries over with us? 
If you've ever seen these, these videos of a lion attack or even a wolf attack or any, any kind of attack, what, what is the number one rule that they play by when they're going after that? Separate. They split one off. And when one gets split off, what happens? They get devoured. They get devoured. Do you know how much we can learn spiritually just by watching nature? Look what, look what God's telling us. Hey, your adversary is just like a lion. <clears throat> he will separate you. He will pull you off. And as soon as he separates you and as soon as he pulls you off, he will devour you. Do you know, you know as, a, as a pastor what bothers me? And, and it's not about you coming and listening to me. It's not about any of that stuff. When I notice that somebody's been out of church for three, four, five, six weeks, you know what I start wondering? I'm like, I, I get this all the time. I hate to be a buggy preacher, but I really desire to go say, hey, do you need some help? What's going on? How can we help you? Because you're vulnerable. You're vulnerable. Hey, I've been there. You can come to church every week and not be part of the flock. Just because you're not here doesn't mean that I don't need to be concerned. You can come here Three, four, five times. How many times would we come here? Three Sunday schools. A bunch. <laughs> Lots of opportunity. How many of you like small studies? <laughs> small Bible studies. Hey, we do that on Wednesday. We do that on Sunday school. We do that on Sunday night. <laughs> but, but you can come here every time the doors are open and can be away from the flock. You can be away from the body and come here every time the doors are open. And when you're away, you're vulnerable. Hey, you can be in the flock and still be vulnerable if you're not serious, if you're not sober, and if you're not vigilant. It can happen right inside the church house. <clears throat> it can happen when you go to work tomorrow. Why? Because we have an adversary that's looking to devour us. I think of our family and I'm like, <clears throat> okay, I've got these four little de uh, angels Five little, five, five, how many we got? <laughs> I was talking about all the other ones, my angels in here, and we got them five little devils, four little devils and my one angels in here. But I've got these five kids. How could Satan devour our family? Going after me. Going after the one that's supposed to be situa situationally aware. That, that's how he's going to devour my family is going after me. How, how do you think that our adversary would devour this church? Who, who do you think he would devour, go after? Me. Not that I'm more important, but that's how he's going to attack. <clears throat> we were, uh, she was, went to Peebles the other night. And I'm sitting in the van, Facebooking or something. I've got a couple kids in there. She's inside with, with Avery. And this car pulls up, and I looked over at the car, and it was, I don't know, Cadillac or something. And these ladies get out, and the one about broke her neck trying to get my attention as she's walking in the store. And if I was not aware, if I was not situation, situationally aware and had flirted back with her, what would have happened? But I was situationally aware and felt 
this is a bad deal. I didn't even tell my wife. She's back there. Do what? <laughs> tell me about this. <clears throat> this woman's walking by. Maybe they were just looking at the big goofy bus. I don't know. But she was looking at me in the eyes and grinning and trying to get my attention. I looked up over my phone and I thought, this is a bad situation. Just keep. What is that? I was situationally aware. There is a comedian. I do not recommend him. It's, it's, I, I heard this guy years ago. It's, it's an it's awful, vile skit. But he was, in his skit, he said this. He said, he said I realized that my wife is way... <laughs> I can't believe I'm bringing his application in church. <clears throat> but he said, I, he said, I established years ago... He said that my wife is way better, now this is a lost guy, I guarantee, way better than anything I could ever get again. <clears throat> he said, she's good to me, she cooks for me, she cleans for me. He said, I hit the jackpot. And he said, there is no way I could ever do better. He said, so I had a conversation with myself. He said, don't, everything, don't <laughs> ever do anything to mess this up. He said, I had that conversation with myself. He said, I had settled that. He said, and nothing was ever going to come in my way that was going to mess that up. He said, I had a conversation with myself years ago. And he said, and guess how many times I have, he said, you know, guess how many times something had messed that up? He said, never. He said, because I, I, I made an agreement to myself that that was never going to happen. And then he goes on and talks about robbing a train. He said, I'd never had that conversation with myself before. <laughs> so, hey, what am I talking about? Some of you have wicked enough to to heard that, <laughs> but hey, what what is it? He had already made the decision. What is that? That's being vigilant. That's being sober. That's being aware. He had already made a conscious decision that he wasn't going to let anything mess that up. Do you know where most men get in trouble? They've not had that conscious decision with themselves. They think they can get by with something. They're not being vigilant. They're not being sober. They're not being aware of their surroundings. Men and women, folks, church, make that conscious decision. Because unfortunately, and we see this all throughout our government at the time, that that is the area that's easiest for that lion to jump out of the grass and get you. That's the easiest. That, that's like the lion coming up behind you in the dark literally. And that is how most people are taken down. That's how most families are broken up, split up, because that's the easiest tactic for the lion to take. Am I right? Would you not agree? And if you are aware, and if you see that snake coming in the grass, cut its head off before it ever gets there. Don't even say, hmm, look at that lion over there. No, don't even do that. Just stay away. Have that conversation with yourself now that, it, that you will not even allow, you'll have that sidearm on your side at all times and you'll never let that lion attack and jump out of the ground. Have that conversation now, just like that wicked comedian said. He, he, had it, he had it established and settled. There was no argument. There was no anything for that to take place. Does it just have to be that? No. It can be any tactic that the devil wants to use that will get you and I. A am I right? It could be any little sin that you, you battle and you fight with. Any of them. <clears throat> I told you I've got these four little devils and one angel. Who do you think they look to for guidance and direction? 
Who do you think they look to for what attitude to have about stuff? Ooh. Me. Who do you think they look to to see if this Christianity thing is real or not? Me. Hey, the same goes for you. Am, am I right? We're, we're no different. We all have the same spirit. And all that is is spiritual attacks. And just like the devil, if, he, if our children see a little, what do they call it, a chink in the armor, a little spot that they can get in, or a little, that, that's what the devil's looking for, a little gap, just a little something that you can get in there. And once he gets in there a little bit, what do, you, what do you do if you're trying to get something apart? You just find that little crack and you get your pry bar in there, your chisel in there, and then you just it comes apart real easy. You just look for that little crack and that little gap. And that's what the devil's doing all the time. He's looking for that little gap, that little crack, that little way in. Just like the guy in your house. How's the burglar going to break in your house? He's going to look for the easiest spot to get in where you're most vulnerable. Hey, if you have problems looking at something on the computer, what is that? That's the chink in your armor. That's where you're vulnerable. Hey, if, if you have trouble flirting with somebody at work, what is that? That's the chink in your armor. That's, that's where you're vulnerable. <clears throat> if you have any trouble with any... F what, what if it's gossiping? What if that's the chink in your armor? That's where the devil's going to get in. What if it's busy, being a busybody, a backbiter, these things that we covered, this list of, that Peter said, don't be that. What if it's any of those things? That's the chink in the armor that the devil's going to use to break in to your family, to your house, and to our church. <coughs> hey, be sober. Be serious. Be vigilant. Always be on the lookout. Because your adversary who? The devil. Walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. What does that walk it about? What do you think that means? I know we're not Australians, but... He's constantly on the look. He doesn't take a day off. He's always busy. What's he, what's he busy doing? Looking for us to be busy. Is anybody busy in here? Is anybody busy? If you're not busy, I'll give you a list of things to do because I'm, I'm too busy. <clears throat> Sometimes I think about that. It, what, what is too busy? That old saying, if, if the devil can't get you to sin, he'll get you to, too busy. I don't think there's ever been a society that's been as busy as our society is. I really don't. And most of the time, we're busy about the wrong, stupid things. And when we're busy about the wrong, stupid things, our focus is taken off the things that really matter. Am I right? And when our focus is taken off the things that really matter, that's a, that could be a chink in our armor. Let's read this. Let, I wouldn't know if we've ever done this during preaching, but let's, if you've got your Bibles open to this 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 8, let's read this together. Everybody ready? Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. If that is not 100% truth, there's not. That's exactly what it is. Sneaking around in the grass, looking, who to, looking whom he may devour. Who, who is he going to devour? Everybody. Lost and saved alike. <clears throat> How do you become saved? Here's the gospel. It's nothing that we've done. It's not by our good works. 
It's not by our baptism. It's not by our church attendance. It's not by sacrificing vegetables or a goat or a sheep or a lamb. We're only saved by the grace of God. It's a gift, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's by the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and it's only putting our faith and trust in that. That's it. One of the tactics of the devil is to cloud and muddy that all to pieces. And that goes all the way back, we talked about in Sunday school this morning, to Cain and Abel. Cain thought if he could raise the best produce and he would take that to God and show God how hard he worked and how much effort he put into it and how good of a guy he was that God would be happy. God was not happy. And instead of saying, hmm, maybe I should just do what God says, he got mad, he got wrathful. And it doomed him and damned him. So this little trick and tactic of the devil's been going on for a long, long time. <clears throat> it got his mom and dad, and it got him. And if you and I aren't careful, it'll get you and I. It may not devour us. He could just take an arm or a leg with him. Every once in a while, you'll see those little videos where the mama buffalo turn back around water buffalo and get the lion and run it off. That happens. But guess what? There's always scars that are there. And those scars will stick with you for a while. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that you've given us this morning. And Lord, for this service we've had, Lord, I pray that uh, each and every one of us would acknowledge that each and every one of us is in danger. Lord, that we do have an adversary that's looking to wreck our families, looking to wreck our church, looking to wreck each and every one of our lives so that the next generation and the generation after that would never know what the words Jesus Christ would mean. And, and that's, his, that's his goal in life. Lord, we live in a society where that's being taught in schools. We live in a society where that's taught on television and, and everywhere. And, Lord, we, we even live in a society where churches are even clouding up the, the waters of salvation. Lord, I pray that if there's someone in here this morning, Lord, it's, it's been as clear as possible that the Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, and it's only through the death, the sacrifice, the shed blood of your innocent Son on the cross that will save us. And Lord, I pray that if there's someone in here this morning that's not saved, Lord, that they would get saved before it's ever too late. And Lord, help us to understand and realize that we have this devil that's walking around, Lord, and his whole goal in life is to tear us down, to take us down. And Lord, how we should always be prepared, we should be vigilant, we should be on the ready, and that we should be serious in looking for him and looking for where he could attack. And, Lord, I pray that uh, he would never do any damage to any folks in this church, Lord, and that you would help uh, watch over us and, and help us to be aware. Lord, I pray that you would go with the ladies today as they have lunch and uh, come back and work on their craft. And, uh, Lord, that you would be with uh, the services tonight and that you would bring us back here at your appointed time. And we love you, Lord, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you are dismissed.